0: Reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look, delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly.
1: Coors Brewing Company,
0: Golden, Colorado. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut.
2: <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get
1: options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive.
2: Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh?
0: I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus. The Bulbous Walrus.
1: The name your price tool. Only from Progressive.
0: The hour and a of the comatose coxswain.
1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates Price and Coverage Match Limited by State Law.
0: The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Mariska's in Crest Hill, Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe, and by The Barrel Club in Oak Lawn. Here are your hosts, NBC Chicago's James Naveau, and 670 The Score's hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Let's drop the puck. Welcome into a jam-packed edition. I guess I can say that. There's a lot of stuff going on of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Naveau from NBC5 Chicago. And with me to break down all this Blackhawks news is the one and only Jay Zawaski of 670 to score and the Locked on Blackhawks podcast. Jay, there is a lot going on in Blackhawk land right now.
2: There sure is. It's a terrible time for an all-star break. Oh <laughs> it's the team's playing well. Guys are hitting milestones. Old coaches are coming back and being honored. Guys and, are hitting each other. Right. Guys are punching each other in the face. And now we wait. Yeah. Ugh. Man. Terrible timing. We should go to
0: the uh, ski slopes like Joel Quenville. That'll maybe clear our heads of all this.
2: Was it Kiss the uh, Snow Monkey? Is that what he called it? Kiss in his, the uh... Snow
0: Monkey, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: If you don't know that reference, look it up. <laughs> All right, well, yeah, thanks for joining us here on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Always follow us on Twitter at MadhousePod, Instagram Madhouse underscore pod. Uh, Email us MadhousePodcast at gmail. No, wait, MadhousePod at gmail.com. That's it. And uh, make sure you like and review and subscribe to the podcast, all that good stuff, so you know when fresh episodes are available. James, why don't we start with last night's game, uh, 4-3 loss to the Florida Panthers after a five-game winning streak heading into the All-Star break with the opportunity to be only one point out of a playoff spot. The Hawks fall short, but I said it on Lockdown Blackhawks this morning, and I'm sure you feel the same way. Nothing really to be upset about. They played well. They were the better team, just Sergei Bobrovsky was a little bit better than Robin Leonard, and that was the difference.
0: Well, I don't know how often we can say this this season, but Robin Leonard probably had one of his worst games of the year last night, just let in a couple of really soft goals. And like you said, the effort by the Blackhawks skaters was there last night, but kind of a rough one for uh, Robin Leonard there in the crease. So that was kind of a bummer not to be able to get those two points, especially on a really – uh, emotionally charged night at the United center. There was just so much going on. So many people being honored and all the subplots to the game. And then Robin Leonard kind of lays a little bit of an egg as they head into this, uh, all-star break. And, uh, into the bye week, I mean, obviously he's had a phenomenal season for the Blackhawks. This, it's been very few games like this that Leonard has really struggled. So, I mean, you're not going to necessarily get on him too much for that, but it is kind of a bummer because they did have that opportunity to get within a point in the playoff race, and it just it seems like those are the types of opportunities that when you're looking back at the end of the season, the Blackhawks are two, three, four points down going into the final week. That would have been a good one to have last night.
2: Well, this is odd. I, you know, when I think of the Florida Panthers, I think of that's that's a really solid team. And if Sergey Bobrovsky can start playing like they signed him, like the goalie they signed him to be, they're a really dangerous team in the playoffs. Last night, that's how he played. Yep. And you saw, if you look into the numbers, this was about as even of a game as can be played. The Hawks had a really solid third period. Uh, mostly because they were down, they were chasing, trying to get back in the game. But the possession numbers were 52% to 48% in, in favor of Florida. High danger chances were 12 each. They're two pretty evenly matched teams, and we're starting to see now as the kids on the Blackhawks are growing into their roles and learning what it takes to play a regular shift on a nightly basis. And while some of the new faces are learning and getting ingrained in the system, and Jeremy Cowlton... At the same time, is figuring out combinations that work. Meanwhile, you've got Jonathan Taves playing his best hockey of the year. Patrick Kane is still on, fir- on fire. Drake Cajula has been playing great. Doc looks better than he's looked all year. All these things are coming together, and the Hawks are playing well. They look like, and I, dude, two weeks ago, you and I would probably be laughing at these comments, but they're playing like a playoff team. No, they're still not cup contenders, but even now, three points out of a playoff spot. You've got to feel pretty good about the way things are going, especially considering that every game that goes by, you're getting closer to adding Dylan Strom. Andrew Shaw remains a mystery, but they're going to get healthier sooner than later. And when they are, this could be a a team that could go on. They're already on a pretty good run. I've, I've been really impressed with the entire thing lately, just how the team has looked in general.
0: So are you saying that you think that the Blackhawks should avoid being sellers at the trade deadline, which comes up at the end of February? I mean, they are only three points out, and they don't really have to jump a whole lot of teams to get there. And as you said, they are getting healthier. Is that something that you would consider either holding Pat or maybe even buying a piece or two at the deadline?
2: Here's what I would do. Assuming that by February 24th, the trade deadline, things look like they look, I would try to sell some of my higher profile unrestricted free agents, one of the two goalies and Eric Gustafson. And if you can bring back an expiring deal, Mm. maybe if you've got to throw in a guy, you know, a prospect or something like a low prospect or a pick to bring in a guy who can fill in for the departed Eric Gustafson to provide some offensive defense. Maybe that's something you consider. I'm still team sell because even if they do make the playoffs, realistically, they're not going to win a Stanley Cup. Mm -hmm. And people can point to last year's St. Louis Blues. Yes, that's happened once. (laughs) (laughs) And the the chances of it happening two years in a row are pretty slim. So I'm still team sell, but that's something they could do if they don't want to necessarily – totally sell and, and tank the season they can try to bring back some expiring deals who knows there's a lot of options there's a lot of time between now and then and when you look at the blackhawks schedule next month it is very road heavy i think it's 11 road games for the hawks so this month january was very home heavy February is going to be very, very road-heavy.
0: Well, I mean, and January was very easy opponent-heavy, too, which was kind of the nice thing about it and kind of allowed the Blackhawks to at least get on a little bit of a run. But as you've said, they are playing some of their best hockey right now, and I know that I've been very careful this season to – not get too high with the highs of this team or too low with the lows of this team. But I mean, there there are things that are definitely trending in the right direction. Like you have said, the defensive pairings look more functional than they have at any point. I think this season, I like what I've been seeing out of Duncan Keith on defense. Slater Cuckoo has been playing so well. The Blackhawks decided they didn't need Dennis Gilbert. They basically have not played him at all this month. I mean, when you've got things like that happening and you're missing two of your best defensemen, I do find that very interesting. And I do find that very encouraging. I know the Blackhawks have got a tough road ahead coming up towards the trade deadline. Uh, but, you know, I wouldn't be really mad if they stood Pat at this point. But if I'm going to go one way or the other off of that, I'm definitely still on Team Sell with you.
2: I just don't think you can stand Pat. I don't know if that's an option. You cannot just not trade Gustafson. That, okay? So You can't like, lose him uh, for nothing.
0: I, I just meant like more like you don't have to like go full out sell sure. and like get rid of... Everybody that we've talked about, whether it's a Brandon Sod or anything like that, or you know, maybe even look into like trading Robin Leonard or something like that. Like, I'm okay if they want to try to make a playoff push and keep those guys, but yeah, I can still see a very good argument for trading a guy like Eric Gustafson, even if they decide they want to still try to kind of go all in and get into the postseason.
2: One thing that was proposed on uh, my Locked On podcast was, what if a team traded for like Sod Leonard and Gustafson? Dang. To try to load up for the playoffs. Now, the question there is who can afford to do that. Right. But that's sort of what I said is you would take back some expiring higher pro higher price deals to make that trade happen. But if you're going to give a team a package like that, you could get back a legit NHL prospect or a guy that a young player that's been playing and showing some success at this level. There are so many possibilities between now and then. And I really don't envy Stan Bowman's position because there's a lot of franchise defining moves he has to make and decisions he has to make here uh it's it's stressful. it's stressful to think about as a fan yeah let alone be the guy in charge of making the deal. So we mentioned the Hawk schedule. they start February at Arizona other road games are at Minnesota, two at Winnipeg, the Oilers, the Canucks the Flames, the stars, the blues, the lightning and the Panthers.
0: The Hawks have what, three home games in the month of February? Three home
2: games the entire month. One Oof. of them is against the Boston Bruins, who have who, had their numbers big time. And who
0: who might be the best team in the league?
2: Correct. And then the Rangers, not so great. And Nashville. Up oh, the Artemi Panera in return. There yeah, you go. Well, the video tribute.
0: Uh, I don't they don't have to do one for him. Didn't they do one when he was with Columbus?
2: Oh yeah, maybe they did. Not that NBC Sports Chicago would oh. show it. Oh, oh, that
0: was that was gratuitous. That's, I shouldn't say things like that, but they they kind of messed that one up last well, night. let's
2: get into that. But first, I want to tell you about yeah. our friends at Triple Threat Sports. For all your team and corporate outfitting needs, call Chris, 708-478-6090. They'll help you design the logo. They'll help you get the fits, the cuts, everything you need in your jersey or your corporate wear. Chris at TripleThreatSports.com. Again, 708-478-6090. Triple Threat Sports. If you can wear it, they can make it. I think everything the Hawks did pregame last night with Patrick Kane – and the video tribute for Joel Quenville, if you haven't seen it, check it out on my Twitter, at JayZawaski670. I think they were perfect. I think they did a really, really solid job having Stan Makita's wife and Dennis Savard come out with Kane. Mm-hmm. And I think the coolest part of the Patrick Kane thing was seeing Joel Quenville on the bench for Florida, just grinning ear to ear, beaming, enjoying that moment. And it was just cool to see. It just, uh, despite the results of the game, I think everything else last night went perfect. I, it was beautiful. It's something that I'll remember, th- I'll remember that night for a long time. Were you at the game? No. I wanted to go to the game, but of course the, uh, the old family issues are getting in the way. Mm. Nothing bad. My dad's getting better, but uh, I had to take him to the doctor and everything yesterday. I didn't know what the timing would be, so... I did plan on it, but I'm going to have to go to one next month, and I don't have many opportunities.
0: You can you can really feel the buzz in the building last night, and all the beat writers were talking about it. There was a palpable excitement in the air that really hasn't been there the last couple of years. And the one thing I will ask you about the Kane Tribute video specifically before we get into the Quenville stuff— Why did they go backwards with the points? I would have thought that would have made more sense to go the other way. I I thought
2: that too, but I kind of liked it. I don't really know why I liked it, but I just thought it was a cool way to end it with the memory of, wow, look look how far he's come. Look
0: at how young he was kind of thing. Like, eh, it was cool. It was cool. Like, regardless, like all the iconic moments that Patrick Kane has had over the course of his Blackhawks career, it was really cool to kind of see – so many of those highlights, whether it was the goal against the Kings that moved the Blackhawks to the Cup Final, obviously the Cup-winning goal against Philadelphia, the goal against Nashville that tied the Game 5 of that series, the hat trick against Vancouver, which I think kind of gets lost in the shuffle it a little really bit. It really does. But, man, that guy has had so many iconic moments with the Blackhawks, and I thought they did a really good job of capturing all that in that video. And like you said, everybody in that arena, including Joel Gwenville, was really, I think... Moved by that ceremony, and I did. When they brought out Savard and they brought out uh, Makita's wife, I thought that was absolutely fantastic. It was a great touch by the Blackhawks. They do do those events possibly better than anybody else. On the other hand, the fact that NBC Sports Chicago showed the whole Kane thing and then cut off the Joel Quinville thing, not a great look, guys. You got you to gotta make sure you air that entire thing. Like, that was – how many how many times are you going to have a three-time Stanley Cup coach come back to Chicago for the first time? They had one shot at it, and they kind of whiffed on it.
2: Well, as a guy that works in broadcast media, I hesitate to go too hard on whoever was producing the game because I'm certain it was an oversight by someone who's not in charge of running the game. Mm. That's a decision from on high where the – Commercial log was loaded in, and they had a full spot break there. And it was the first TV break, dude. You have to know it's coming. Like, But I'm telling you, I would almost guarantee the person who is running the truck was not the one making that decision right. or not having that oversight. It right. was, I'm telling you, it was someone from above who programmed the game and didn't think, oh, yeah, video tribute, got to cut out a commercial here.
0: Was it cackling John McDonough?
2: No, what? see that I heard Dustin <laughs> Rhodes on our morning show saying that this morning. I don't. They they've gone out of their way to like on social media. They're yeah, talking about yeah, Q. Yeah. They put the video on the web. There's no way they're trying no. to prevent.
0: No, no, no. I know. I was being silly. There, there
2: yeah. There is no bad attention. Th- they
0: they really did. They they did pull out all the stops. They really did make it a special thing for Joel. There's no way that McDonough would have done anything like that. No. So
2: No. And you could see how much it meant to him, you know. And I think Hugh is sometimes <laughs> his face misrepresents him. Sometimes he just always has that piercing, those like wolf eyes, and he always looks kind of angry and frustrated, but he's a soft hearted dude. Mm-hmm. And everyone that's played for him loves him. Everyone that's met him loves him. Um, He, he is an emotional guy and he does, you know, th- you could see that he was really touched by that moment. Um, by the way, did you watch the intermission interview with Charlie Romeliotis with him?
0: I did not get a chance to watch <laughs> he it. He
2: asked him about uh, working with Dale Talon. And Q said something like, yeah, Dale's around a lot more than Stan was. <laughs> and it almost sounded like Q was a little annoyed that Dale was like so involved all the time. Right. I want you to see it. Go back and watch it on your DVR and tell me what you think of that. It was really interesting because I think Q was almost saying like, yeah, I kind of appreciated Having, you know, my own time and having being able some to make- <laughs> autonomy with the
0: team. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you can't can't argue with the results right now. They're playing really well.
2: You know what other results you can't argue with? Oh, what? The results of a poor boy at Marishka's. Yes. Yeah. 604 Theodore Street, family owned and operated since 1933. Go visit our friends, Joe and the family at Marishka's. Get the poor boy, get the yodel burger, get the twice baked potato, get the onion rings, get everything. Just order the whole menu. You'll be a happy, happy fat boy or girl or whatever. Uh, So, yeah, go check them out. 604 Theodore Street, Crest Hill, Marishka's.com or Facebook.com slash Marishka's. That's M-E-R-I-C-H-K-A-S. They're closed only on Christmas, Easter, the 4th of July and Thanksgiving. So you have no excuse. Get your butt out to Crest Hill and try Marishka's. I want to ask you this question. As of right now, Patrick Kane is fourth all time in Blackhawks points with 1,001. Dennis Savard is third, 1,096. Bobby Hull is second, 1,153. And Stan Makita is first, 1,467 points. Do you believe that Patrick Kane has 466 more points in him?
0: I think he's going to end up second. I think he'll pass Savard and Hall. I don't think he's going to pass Makita. That is a lot of longevity for a guy with a lot of miles already on the odometer. And I know that he's 31 years old and he's still playing incredible hockey and he still looks really good out there. But I just think eventually father time's going to catch up with him the the speed with which he plays I think once he starts to really get sapped of that as he gets older I'm not sure if he's going to be able to continue the pace that he's been on he he went from 900 to a thousand in what like a calendar year in not like a year. month it was, it
2: was February it was last nuts. year it's nuts
0: it's nuts how fast he got a hundred more points like the, so. I'm not going to rule anything out, obviously. Like Patrick Kane, you know, he's made a career out of probably breaking down expectations about what he could do as a five foot nine guy in the NHL. But that's still, that's such a huge mountain to climb, man. Like that would be an average of what, like 90 points a season for the next five seasons? If he was, like, point, I don't know if he can do it.
2: If he was a point per game player for the next five years, so that's 82 points a season. He would end, he would have 410 more points.
0: So he'd so still he'd have just a little short. ways to go. But yeah, that's, I mean, doable, yes. I still don't
2: think it happens. It's really tough. Yeah. The only sort of hope you have is. The fact that he's played his best hockey late in his career right and he's part of it's because he's double shifted like every game
0: (laughs) that's another thing that (laughs) adds to my theory about the uh odometer just like the amount of work he's had to do no doubt like i wonder like how precipitous the fall is going to be once he does kind of finally start to hit that wall a little bit and actually have to deal with some injuries he hasn't really had to deal with a lot of injury concerns during his career the only times he really has is when he what like broke his collarbone on that hit right before like the playoffs, it's all yep. been like fluky stuff it hasn't been like a nagging knee injury or anything like that i wonder what happens if that ends up happening to it's pretty him.
2: crazy looking at his games played 82 80 82 73 82 47 that's a lockout year yep 69 nice 61 <laughs> 82 82 82 81 51 And that 51 is this year, obviously. This is a guy who has been healthy his entire career.
0: Yeah. And he's made a career out of avoiding contact, which has also (laughs)
2: helped him a lot. Unlike Kirby Doc.
0: (laughs) Oh, God. That guy just take he's quickly taken over the Marcus Kruger mantle.
2: You know, he is the most hit player in the league.
0: That is not I, shocking.
2: I don't know where I saw that stat, and I don't. I wouldn't even know where to look it. I have no idea where you find that. <laughs> like hits taken,
0: it may be made up. We don't know. Maybe,
2: but he is the. From what I saw on Twitter, from someone I believe to be reliable, always great, right? Get yeah. We vet our sources believe on this the, podcast. Believe the
0: internet, <laughs> yes, yes. But yes, I
2: believe Kirby Doc is the most hit player in the NHL. Do you want
0: me to hit you with another stat? You see what I did there? Yes, please. Uh, did you know Kirby Doc it was his birthday last night it was had multiple points and did a you sick know goal. did you know that he is the first player 19 and under to have multiple points on their birthday since a guy named Wayne Gretzky?
2: He was pretty good Yeah last night I was blowing Eddie's mind as we were watching Eddie's my daughter by the way if you don't know um we if, were, if you listen to this podcast <laughs> you probably know who she is I would think so Yeah but we're watching the Patrick Kane ceremony and she's like wow a thousand points So I told her, okay, now consider that. This is a great player, no question Hall of Famer, yada, yada, yada. The best player in Hawks history had this many. I started giving her the Wayne Gretzky numbers, and she was just like, what? How? How is that? And I love – I've said this to a million times. Every hockey fan knows it. Yep. But if you took away all of Wayne Gretzky's goals, he is still the all-time leading scorer in (laughs) hockey history.
0: All 894 of his goals, he would still be the leading points scorer in league history. Um, Mark Lazarus of The Athletic brought up an interesting question. Is Alex Ovechkin a better scorer than Wayne Gretzky? (sighs) I think you have to consider eras. Yes. And so I would say yes. I would kind of be inclined to agree with you. I think that if Ovechkin had played in the 80s NHL where goalies apparently forgot how to play, I wonder how many goals. He probably would have scored a 1,000 goals in his career if he had been playing during that era.
2: Right now, Alex Ovechkin has 692 goals.
0: That is absurd considering the NHL that he plays in today.
2: Yeah. I mean, you rarely see 50 goal scorers anymore.
0: And he does it consistently.
2: He's done it six times in his career, including a 65 goal season in 0708.
0: Absolutely crazy, man. That it, it's he's on another
2: level as a scorer. He really is. I, I don't it's amazing how that can be. Like you've got these guys, I know this is like the most like stoner topic ever, but like <laughs> how are guys who are they're all playing at the same level. How can a guy like that be just so much better than everybody else at it? Is his accuracy that much more? Can he just read a goalie better? It's really incredible to to have that big of a gap. And, shit. like, we were just talking about Gretzky. 894 times he scored goals. Yeah. Like, what is it that was his shot overpowering? No, not necessarily. But he just had that accuracy and just had that hockey sense.
0: Yeah, that's, I think, what it ultimately boils down to. If you, pl- if you watch etchkin play. There is a lot of raw physicality because of how big he is, but that dude knows how to get open on the ice. And that's not always easy to do when teams are double teaming you because they know you're the main scoring threat. It's unreal watching Alex etchkin play. His brain works so much faster than everybody else is on the ice. And he might, he might be the best scorer I've ever seen like period end of story. And that includes Gratzky.
2: Well, we've got a tweet here from game plan, Chicago, he says Kane is amazing, but Bobby Hull revolutionized the sport. Blazing shot, incredible strength, set 50 goals per season as the bar for scoring greatness. Bobby left the NHL at 33 years old and had 610 goals. That's pretty good. <laughs> That's the sort of analysis. Check out on the Madhouse <laughs> Chicago Hockey Podcast. We're going to take a quick time out, come back with some bigger picture stuff on the season. I'm Jay Zawoski. That's James Naveau. This is the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Jay Zawoski with you here. James DeVoe right next to me. Two in a row in-person Madhouse Podcasts. Very, very exciting. Want to tell you about our friends at the Barrel Club in Oklahoma 4910 West 111th Street. I've been sending Madhouse Podcast listeners, Lockdown Blackhawks listeners, and friends and family to the Barrel Club, and every review is through the roof. You want to go out to a nice dinner, get a steak, get some cocktails, get some tremendous drinks and appetizers and everything, head to the Barrel Club in Oak Lawn, BarrelClubIllinois.com. Check out their menu. And I know, as of a couple days ago, they had a really great Groupon running, so you might want to check that out. If you've been on the fence, go get that Groupon and get into the Barrel Club. You will not regret it. BarrelClubIllinois.com. We've been talking a lot about Patrick Kane's, and rightfully so, 1,000-point achievement. 1,001 points now, another Blackhawk became a top-ten scorer in Blackhawks history last night with his assist on Drake Kajula's goal. Duncan Keith passed Jeremy Roenick for 10th all-time in Blackhawk scoring with 597 points. That's something that snuck up on me a little bit. A little bit. And it's funny, like Roenick to me had always been – um my favorite Hawk and to see Duncan Keith, who's not known for his offense. Yeah. He's got some offense in his game. That's why he won the Norris trophy twice is because he could do both. Right. But to to move past Jeremy Roenick, that's quite a feat. And I know Roenick didn't play here nearly as long, but man, Duncan Keith making his mark on the record books statistically with the Hawks as well. So he's top 10. He needs to catch Pitt and Barton with 627 points. That seems pretty likely Dennis hole. 640 then then it gets to the unreachable territory you've got Doug Wilson at seven with 779 Jonathan Taves with 799 just a point away from 800 yeah
0: I bet he wanted that last night
2: yeah well it'll come soon if he keeps playing the way he's been playing yeah it'll come soon and speaking of Jonathan Taves
0: and Duncan Keith
2: and Duncan Keith we've got to discuss uh, oh boy the
0: kerfuffle the kerfuffle,
2: I want to get your take on this because I saw it and was like, okay, that's interesting. I've got my thoughts. I want to get yours first, James Navo. The floor is yours.
0: <sighs> I see. To me, if it was any other sport, I'd be I'd be fairly concerned about it. This wasn't a Kyle Long beating his teammate with a helmet type of thing. <laughs> yes, this wasn't a this wasn't a baseball player looking at a teammate wrong kind of thing
2: or feel, touching Adrian Beltre's head. I, I
0: feel like hockey players obviously are known for being. A little bit fighty. What? I think you would agree with that. What? Um, the thing I found very interesting was the guys that it involved because it is two veteran leaders of this team. And we obviously do not know the circumstances that led to the altercation. They wouldn't really talk about it post game. I don't think
2: Keith addressed it, did he? I did not see Keith address it, no. And okay. I know he, as the fight broke up, the teams broke into offense and defense, and Keith and just Keith left. left. Yeah. Well,
0: it's an optional practice; he didn't have to be there. Um, that, that's true. See, I that, and that's kind of where that's where the one point of intrigue really lies for me is that why are two veteran guys going at each other? This wasn't like Duncan Keith beating the hell out of Ben Smith at a training camp practice. Like Ben Smith's a young, you know, pup or whatever, and Keith probably. Was you know why am I practicing? Training camp sucks. Uh, I'm gonna punch Ben Smith a bunch of times. Like some random altercation like that is kind of expected, but to have it happen between two veteran leaders on the team, I thought was really interesting. And then they there they were both and after the game talking to Joel Quenville, just kind of hanging out and being cool with one another. Like it wasn't like they were like on site. Like I don't want to see you right now. Get the hell out of here, kind of thing. They. It it did seem like they were very dismissive of it being an ongoing thing, but I'm still very interested to know what would have sparked a confrontation between the two of them.
2: I think you just have two highly competitive guys on the morning of a very emotional and important game to the team, and they're just going at it. I, You know, not to go all Uncle Rico on you, and I said this on Twitter, I've been on a lot of sports teams in my life, and I've gotten in fights with my closest friends. Those yeah. seem to be the ones that when things get ignited at, at practice, those are the ones you typically seem to battle with. There's never been a history with Kane and Tave, or <laughs> you just say it naturally, with Keith and Taves ever before that we know of, obviously. Yeah. But Taves laughed it off after practice. Cowton laughed it off after practice. I don't think it's anything to be concerned about. You are right. The one little sliver of concern I have is the fact that Keith sort of seemingly stormed off the ice and went to go into the locker room. That may have been his plan anyway was to, once the teams broke into groups to go take the rest of the practice off. But that's like the one little thing where I'm like, well, maybe there's something there, but I really don't think there's too much room for concern.
0: And there's not really a whole lot of reason for animosity right now. The team's been playing really well like yeah. it's, it's not like things are going badly and like everybody's like frustrated and angry i'm just and keith and Taves have both been playing really well too like specifically so I, I don't know like if frustration would have boiled over i'm i'm guessing it was probably some chippy little moments like during warmups that like they came together a little bit and somebody didn't appreciate it and they just kind of wrestled that's all that happened, I think.
2: Yeah, I don't think there's much to it. And, and you know, the fact that Jeremy Cowton was right away like, you got a brother? Yeah. You know, right. we, we've all been there. I think anyone who's played sports, uh, not just men, male or female, you, you get into it with your teammates now and again as practices get intense. And I think it's a kind of a, I don't want to say it's a good thing. Yeah. But it's a good sign to know that they're practicing with intensity.
0: I don't, I don't know if I would e- Yeah. I don't know if I'd ever want to fight Duncan Keith, by the way. It looks
2: like Taves had the advantage in that scrap.
0: Which is odd. Like, maybe Duncan Keith, like, said meat rules or something. (laughs) Yes.
2: Fossil fuels for the win! Maybe Jonathan Taves said Jesus cosplay is stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Duncan Keith wanted to give him a rock bottom through the ice. You never know. By the way... Anyone
0: with an even number is dumb.
2: Am I wrong that Duncan Keith has fully achieved Jesus mode? He really has. He has the entire Jesus thing going on with the perfectly shaped beard, the hair is the perfect length. If you, like, just caught him, like, looking up at the scoreboard, you you, you could put it on a holy card. It's crazy how much, who looks more like Jesus? Light him up. <laughs> Let us hit us up on the podcast. Well,
0: it, the one thing we definitely learned is that veganism triumphs over everything because Jonathan
2: Taves won that fight, my friend. Well, at least that's what the video, we, we don't know, though. Taves might have jumped him. You know maybe it was a, a blindside sort of a thing. We could speculate. Let's just speculate. I think wildly, sp- yeah. Let's let's spend the next 5 minutes wildly speculating <laughs> what they were fighting about. Did Taves drink out of Duncan Keith's special water bottle?
0: Ooh, that's a good that's a good question. That could be. I yeah. Oh, what if he used uh Duncan Keith's beard wax? That and then didn't it. put the cap back on.
2: What if he said something bad about Brent Seabrook? What oh. if he was like, you know what? We've been on a roll since your boy Seabrook went away,
0: <laughs> and that just triggered
2: Duncan Keith into beating the hell out of Jonathan Taves.
0: And so many things that it could be, or like, oh, hey, or my personal favorite theory. I posted a GIF of the uh, Simpsons episode where Bart and Lisa are competing for Marge's attention. Maybe they both saw Joel and wanted to show how tough they were. Hey yeah. Joel, look at me, Joel, Joel, over here.
2: Okay, speaking of practice, I've got to ask you this, Pracky. Yesterday, Patrick Kane's dad, who is ever present, except for when he scored
0: his <laughs> thousandth point,
2: exactly. Which stupid, is so weird, stupid weather. Get on a plane. It's Come the on. weather, man. It wasn't his fault. But so Patrick Kane's dad shows up at the morning skate. With cutout numbers that say 1,000 and put them on the seats, how embarrassing is that? If your dad did that to you, if you like, if my dad showed up and put like 1,000 downloads, I'd be like, oh my god, Dad! I'm a Hall of Fame hockey player. I'm a three time Stanley Cup winner. I have a Conn Smythe Trophy. I have an MVP. I'm one of the best players of my generation. I don't need you coming to practice with celebratory posters.
0: <laughs> Maybe that's what Keith and Taves
2: are fighting about. <laughs> oh, that's so cute. Oh, that's stupid. Hey, let's fight. It's embarrassing. I would be embarrassed. Uh, I know it's cute. I know they're super close. That's not to say
0: don't don't judge a guy for having a close relationship with his dad. I
2: don't. And we- Mr. Kane has that vibe of like dad friend dad. Yeah, he definitely you does. Know, and uh, it is funny, though, that of all the times he's around, you see him all the time that he missed the big moment.
0: It, I, I feel sort of bad for him because oh, it was beyond him. his control. But, I mean, he put a good face on and said, look, like, I got to watch it from a different perspective and I got to enjoy all the post game stuff with it. And, and it's like, yeah, you know what? That is kind of cool. Like, he would have rather have been there, but... At least nowadays, like the broadcasts are so good that you do get those behind the scenes moments, too.
2: And while we're uh, joking around about Jonathan Taves, bad teammate and air quotes, you have to know. And and I didn't know this right away. The last two games before Kane uh, hit 1000 Taves before the game went to the referees and said, when this happens, we want the whole team to be able to come on the ice and celebrate with him. Will you call us for too many men on the ice? And and they cleared it both times. Mm. Kane didn't know he was doing that. No one knew he was doing that. Jonathan Taves did that on his own. So that's a really cool thing.
0: Yeah, he, he had to balance it out like good teammate and bad teammate. Bad teammate, <laughs> get punchy with Duncan Keith. Good teammate, celebrate Patrick Kane. Everything in balance, my friend. Well,
2: and there's they Kane and Taves have had. A bit of a rocky relationship, not to the point where they were enemies or anything like that, but they're two very different people Sure, who early in their career had very different priorities and they would clash from time to time. They joke about it at the Hawks convention every year, how they used to kind of butt heads on things now and again. Even on the ice, you've got two guys that are alphas. I hate I'm sorry I said that. I hate that term. Oh, God. But it's true. Those two guys are. So now you've
0: said triggered and alphas in the same podcast. Next, we're going to be talking about snowflakes.
2: Yeah, I guess so. Well, the people that use those terms, non-ironically, are typically snowflakes. (laughs) But um, so those guys do have a bit of a history. But uh, to see Taves do that, to go out of his way to say, hey, when this happens, we want to make it a special thing. That's really cool. Yeah. And it uh, deserves to be pointed out. So I,
0: I am very glad that you brought that up because I, I had seen that story as well, and it was a really cool gesture by Taves to make sure that that happened.
2: Hey, if you're hungry, and I know you are after listening to us talk about our sponsors, go visit our friends at Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com for menu items and specials. We tell you every episode about the great Mexican food, the great Cajun, the great barbecue, The great burgers and wings, everything at Chuck's is tremendous. I've been telling you lately about the cobblers for dessert. Make sure when you go to Chuck's you save room for the cobbler. But one thing I haven't mentioned, and we're getting into this sort of weather, the soup at Chuck's is unreal. Every variety is tremendous. The poblano is my favorite, but even the basic chicken noodle is some of the best you'll ever have. Go visit our friends at Chuck's Cafe chuckscafe.com, Burbank, and Darien. Tell them the Madhouse podcast sent you when you go. All right, James, I want to pick your brain. Yes. It's well documented. It's in print. It's on the internet that in early November, I wanted Jeremy Cowton fired. Mm. I want to know where you stand on Jeremy Cowton now and has their recent streak, and maybe the last, what, four or five weeks, has the Hawks' success lately Changed your vision of Jeremy Calton as Blackhawks head coach at all?
0: No. No, it hasn't. Um, I I'm not I have been saying for a while that I'm. I think that clean sweep at the end of the season, take out Bowman, take out Colleton, and start from scratch. Are you saying kill them? Not. Well, I mean, if if push comes to shove and you have to do it, I mean, if they refuse to leave, sometimes you know you gotta. Hey. I, I I think that that to me is probably still the right course of action. I don't feel like Stan Bowman, if they, especially if they miss the playoffs. I don't care if they're dealing with injuries. You still miss the playoffs three years in a row, and still saddle the team with this many rough contracts. You still have to be held to account for that. So I, I'm still on that bandwagon. I think that the team has been has they've done this before, which is the key to me. They've gone through these stretches where it looks like they have everything figured out and everything's you know kosher and great. And then they slide, and then it's not kosher and great. And so I knowing that, knowing how wildly inconsistent this team has been, and there have been these moments where they look awesome and they're always followed by the moments that they look bad, I'm still on team get rid of Colleton at the end of the season.
2: I'm still with you. I want to give Jeremy Calton credit, and I think he deserves some credit, for keeping this team afloat, keeping this team engaged when he certainly could have lost them many times over the course of the season. And like you mentioned, perhaps most impressively, getting this team back in the race while they're dealing with so many injuries. Think about the names. Calvin DeHaan, Brent Seabrook, Brandon Saad, Andrew Shaw, Dylan Strom, all missing significant parts of the season. And they are three points out of a playoff spot. That, to me, is impressive. It's also illustrative of how bad the West is. That's true. And I also think that with a better coach, in the first place, mm, they yep, might hit not. On it. They might be in a playoff spot as opposed to chasing one. With that goaltending, they probably should be. That's going to do it for this edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us, All Star Week. Ugh, the Hawks don't play until February first. You know
0: what? I am going to. I want to ask you Uh-oh, one thing. Oh, what oh, the oh, heck are oh. you going to do during All Star Week?
2: Well, that's a good question because I have a daily podcast to do. I am running a uh, mid-season awards poll mm-hmm. on the Lockdown Blackhawks Twitter account at LO underscore Blackhawks if you want to vote. I also have a guest idea for Lockdown Blackhawks. I want to have this guy named James Nouveau come on that podcast. Wow. it's I have never been on the Lockdown
0: Blackhawks podcast.
2: Yeah, we want to have some cross-promotional opportunities, so keep mm. an eye out for that. I'm working on some guests. I'll probably talk to Charlie Romeliotis and Scott Powers next week. Trying to arrange an interview with Kendall Coin. I respect
0: the fact that you can say Charlie's last name right. By the way, it's just
2: like it's spelled. Yeah, I am a guy who lives with that. When people look at my name like, like, <laughs> look at the word, Zawaski. You would you would be surprised how many people
0: can't say Naveau. So I, I feel Naveau,
2: James navui
0: Naveu. I get Naveu a lot. I get Zawowski or Zawaski. Zawaski actually kind of a cool one. No, I hate that. Well, I'll make sure to use it from now on. Thank you. Right, I know you will. I appreciate (laughs) you.
2: (laughs) All right. So we'll be back next week. The Lockdown Blackhawks podcast is going to roll on somehow. I'm just going to talk very slowly to fill time on that podcast. But thank you for tuning in. We'll talk to you next week on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Thanking our sponsors, Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris. 708 478 6090. Mariska's and Crest Hill, family owned and operated since 1933. Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit Chuck'sCafe.com. And of course, the Barrel Club in Lawn 4910 West 111 Street. Join their Spirit of the Month club at barrelclubillinois.com. We will talk to you next time on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. When the big wireless carriers start trying to get you to splurge your tax return on the latest nonsense this year, just tune it out. With Straight Talk Wireless, you can get a Samsung Galaxy A51 for just $199 on America's best networks. Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. Savings may vary. See straighttalk.com.